Turn with me in the scripture, please, to uh, two openings, James chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 3. A few weeks ago, we began talking to you about the power of patience. Don't leave. (laughs) It's very important. And if you weren't with us... (laughs) Of course, if you had to get up and leave right now, that would really be impatience, wouldn't it? Uh, if you weren't with us for the previous sessions, uh, let me encourage you to get them. You can go out in the Word Supply after the service and get you a CD. It won't cost you anything. Go online, download the previous messages. It won't cost you anything. And around here we have a saying, no charge means no excuse for not having it, not getting it, not knowing it. You can't say you couldn't afford it. So uh, very important, and our texts have been right here in James chapter 1, James 1 and 2. James 1 and 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or different temptations, trials, tests. Verse 3, how could you count something that is not enjoyable? How could you count it all joy? Because you know something. You're seeing it differently because of what you know. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Now we're going to look in First uh, Peter in a bit. And you'll see the phrase trial of your faith. This is trying. And it's the same idea. It basically means testing. Testing. Does your faith have to be tested. It does. By very nature of what it is, you don't know if you've got genuine faith until it is tested. By nature of what it is. If there's no trial of it, then it's not really an opportunity for genuine real faith to be there. But the trying of your faith works patience. Patience is what faith does when it's tried. When faith is pressured, patience is the right response. Persistent. The word patient or patience basically means endurance. Persistence, endurance. It's not just a, we use it a little differently in modern vernacular. People say, well, just be patient, just be patient. And people in their mind, they think that means just be passive and do nothing. No, no, no. And a lot of times it's connected with, well, just be patient and we'll see what we see. We'll just see if or if not. No, no. Faith is not waiting to see if. Faith is convinced and expecting. But the patience is actually probably a better word for a modern vernacular would be endurance. You don't just believe. But you keep on believing. And you hang in there day in, day out, feel better, feel worse, look better, look worse. A month, a year, ten. You just keep on keeping on. And when your faith is tried, it exercises patience. Why should you and I be interested in patience? Verse 4 tells us. Let patience have its complete, perfect work. Why? Because you will wind up, you will come out 
perfect, complete, fully developed, entire, what? Wanting. No, how do you get to the place where people ask you, well, how you doing in that area? Man, I don't want for a thing in that area. How you doing over here? I don't want a thing. And I got everything I need. What do you want over here? Wanting. What got you there? Faith and patience. That's what got you there. So we should desire to know more about patience. Patience is much misunderstood in the body of Christ. Oftentimes you hear Christians they say it readily. You know, well, that's a weak area of mine. I'm, I don't have so much patience. And, and everybody will ask, yeah, me neither. Well, that's nothing to joke about. You just got through saying you're not going to have victories. You just got through saying you're going to forfeit things that you could have and should have. You just got through saying I'm a quitter. Don't say again. Don't mock and make jokes about being impatient. And you even hear preachers get up and say things like, well, I'll tell you one thing now. Don't ever pray for patience. And everybody laughs and goes, whoo, yeah, right, man, man, don't pray for, well, that's an ignorant thing to say. It's an ignorant, for one thing, you don't get patience just by praying for it. You get patience, you exercise patience when your faith is challenged and tried. And just like a muscle, as you exercise patience, it gets stronger and it gets bigger. And you don't, there's no such thing as having too much patience. That's like saying having too much faith. And the truth is, we don't have any more faith than we do patience. When your patience runs out, that's also the end of your faith. Because they work together. Look in Hebrews 3, please. Hebrews 3. He said this. Verse 14, we are made partakers of Christ, how? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. It's not enough just to believe God for a a few minutes or a few days. How long you got to stay with it? To the end. I've had people tell me, well, Brother Keith, I don't know what to do. I mean, I've been standing believing for this thing for, uh, you know, six months. And it looks worse than it did before I started. What do I do now? Well, it's pretty simple. Do you have it? No. Well, you either keep believing or you quit. Now, if you quit, you know what you're going to get. And if you keep believing, you also from the Word know what you're going to get. You're going to get results. He always causes you to try. And we really need a revelation of time. That's part of the problem. Is that we are such newbies. We've been around about that long. I'm touching my fingernail. We've been around. What do you mean? Well, we think 50 years is a long time. And it's not. We think 100 years is a long time. But actually 100 years is a tenth of a day. Because with the Lord, more than one place in Psalms and also in the New Testament... He said, with the Lord, a thousand years is like last night, like a watch that's passed, like a day, like yesterday. We really need to get our mind renewed like that, to think like that. We studied earlier about Abraham and Sarah. And, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Go to the sixth chapter and I'll read that. When are we made partakers of Christ? If 
We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Having done all to stand, what do you do? You keep on standing. You keep on believing. When you found the truth and you decide you want to quit believing that, what else would you believe? You already had the truth. Anything else is going to be a lie. If we're not going to trust God, what are we going to do? Despair? Cry? Give up? Quit? Nope. Nope, we're going to stand. Hebrews 6 and 12. 6 and 12, he says, be not slothful. Slothful means lazy. Why? That being impatient is being lazy. It's tied to being lazy. Why? Because it's easier to just quit. It's easier to just believe. You know, millions of people prefer what I call no-fault religion. What do you mean? No matter what happens. Not my fault. No matter what didn't happen. Not my fault. God. Everything somehow the will of God. No, no. There's a whole lot of things not happening in people's lives because they're just simply too lazy to believe for it. It takes effort. It takes something in you to keep standing and believing year after year when it looks worse. When it feels worse. Right? That separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Don't be slothful, but be followers of those. He's going to mention Abraham in just a minute. Who through what? Faith and patience, they inherited the promises. They got miracles. They had the word of God come to pass in their life because they had faith and they wouldn't quit believing. They had patience. Keep reading verse 13. When God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That must mean there is no greater around. Right? Verse 14. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Reckon he is still the God of increase? Is he still the blessing God? The mul- Yeah, he's never changed. Verse 15. And so... After he, after Abraham did what? Now we've talked on this last time. That's why I said if you weren't with us, you know, go back and get the previous message. We saw how that God told Abraham, look at the sky, look at the stars, look at the sand. On the, I'm going to give you that many kids. And Abraham got excited and he believed God. And the Bible said he was called the friend of God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. And then nothing happened. And nothing happened for another three years. And then nothing happened for another five years. And nothing happened for another three years. And nothing happened for another 15 years. And nothing happened for another 20 years. And nothing happened for another 25 years. Nothing. A whole lot of nothing happened. Do you suppose Abraham was ever tempted to think, man... Did I misunderstand? I mean, Sarah couldn't conceive when she was 20. Now she's 90. (laughs) And she's gone through the change of life. And I'm 99. (laughs) And we're going to have more kids (laughs) than the sand on the seashore. But the Bible said he considered not his own body. He didn't consider Sarah's body. He refused to look at it. And he was, 
He wasn't weak in faith, but he was strong in faith. He was fully persuaded that what God said, he was able to do it and he would do it. And guess what happened? What happened? What happened? What did he say? Read that verse again. After he had patiently endured, not after a day or two or a year or two or ten, after 25 years. Somebody say 25 years. He did what? He got it. He got it. Isaac was born. Glory to God. Miracle we're still talking about today. How are you going to have miracles that people will be talking about if the Lord tears is coming after you're in heaven? Same way. Faith and patience. Now, this 25 years, like we said, we need mind renewal. If a thousand years with God is like a day, then we figured out that this 25 years would be like 30 minutes God time. (laughs) And if you can't believe God for 30 minutes without giving up and quitting, ain't much to your faith. That's how he's seeing it. The Lord is seeing it. Like, well, Lord, I've been standing for three years. I've been standing for five years. (laughs) Well, that'd be like five years. It'd be like, uh, what, seven minutes? God, I've been standing for seven minutes. How long is this going to take? <laughs> but see, we think a year's a long time. We think uh, five years, ten years, this is too long. If it ain't happened by now, it ain't ever going to happen. Oh, that's not how it works. Read the Bible. One of the things I am so impressed with God about is his patience. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, he'll say something. Sure enough, it'll come to pass 10,000 years later. (laughs) 10,000 years later. It happens. But you know, he was never questioning whether it was going to happen or not. He's not having a crisis of faith. (laughs) Every millennia. (laughs) He's not saying, it's been five millennia. This thing ain't come to pass yet. Mm -mm. It gives you hope when you read like John 17, where Jesus prayed that we would all be one as he and the father are one. You look around at all the denominations and all the splinter groups and you shake your head and think, how in the world could that ever happen? It's happening. It'll happen. Do you believe it'll happen? If it takes a million years, it will happen. That's the way God, his faith doesn't quit. When he says it, he never backs off of it. And if you and I are going to get things happening in our life, we have to become that way. We have to become imitators of God as dear children and become the same way. Hebrews 10, would you look there? Hebrews 10 and 35. Hebrews 10 and 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Does it pay to hold on and not quit? Not just a little bit. Great recompense of reward. Verse 36. For you have need of patience. Did the Bible say you need patience? Then guess what? Tell your neighbor. Help them out. Look at them and say you need patience. You need patience. You got to get you some more patience. (laughs) This was not my idea. This New Testament, right? 
you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Didn't Galatians say, don't be weary in well-doing, for you shall reap when? In due season, if you don't faint. Well, if everything happened by the end of the day, there'd be no need talking about don't get weary. Now think about this. If everything you prayed happened by the end of the day, how much faith would be required? If everything that you confessed happened by the end of the day or instantly or immediately or even by the end of the week, how much faith would be required? Your faith wouldn't be tested. There wouldn't be the opportunity for genuine faith. But time tries trust. It tries it. It tests it. Go with me to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter, the the first chapter. Thank you, Lord. Anybody believe this is worth meditating on and feeding on today? How are you going to get from where you are to where you need to be? From where you are to where God's called you to be? How are you going to get there? Faith, and not just faith, patience. That enduring expectation. First Peter 1, 7. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus. When Jesus comes, real proven faith is going to be praised and honored. Real faith is going to be praised. In fact, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, when he comes, shall he find faith in the earth? Real faith is not common. I know people think it is, but it's not. Here you see uh, precious. That word precious means very costly. Why is something very expensive? If it's plentiful... It's usually cheap. But no, real faith is faith that has been tested and proven. And it is precious. It is very valuable. The word faith is kicked around and tossed around. People say, what faith are you? And that label doesn't mean you have any faith at all. And people talk about, well, I have faith, or I have faith of this and that. And a lot of times it's just talk, it's just empty. Real faith is precious to God himself. Now think about it. What did Jesus praise when he was on the earth? Didn't he say more than once, how great your faith is. Your faith is great. Be it unto you. He said, I hadn't found faith like this in the whole nation. Well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know faith pleases him. It must be valuable for it to please him. If it pleased him while he's on the earth, he's never going to change. It's still that way. It'll be that way in the future. Faith is precious. Somebody say precious faith. Listen to the Amplified. The Amplified says, so that the genuineness of your faith may be tested. Your faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold, which is tested and purified by fire. This proving of your faith is intended to redound to your praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, is revealed. 
The Living Bible says your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. If your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day. The message says when Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Our faith, if it's proven and real, will be acknowledged and praised by God. Somebody say, wow. (laughs) Wow. But now, faith, in order to be genuine faith, has to be proven as far as gold is concerned. How do you get gold? You have to put the heat to it. Don't you? You get the rough ore out of the ground and it's mixed up with all other kind of stuff and you put intense heat to it. And some of the impurities just melt and evaporate. Others separate from the gold and then you get the pure gold. He's telling us our faith is this way. Isn't he? That's the very example he's using to tell us what our faith is and how it works. We don't know if we've got real faith until it's been tested. Until it's been tested. And when it's put to the test, when it is challenged through the passage of time, through contradictory feelings and circumstances and experiences, when that faith just comes through all of that fire and all of that junk, it comes out pure, genuine, shining, And God himself will acknowledge it in time to come and honor it. Can you say amen? Amen. Precious faith. Go to uh, 1 Samuel 10. Strong faith endures. It keeps believing. Weak faith quits quickly. Gives up quickly. And all these things that are happening to contradict the word are trying our faith. Isaiah 28, 16, you don't need to turn there, but the latter part of it says, He that believes shall not make haste. Say it out loud. He that believes believes shall not make haste. haste. Talks about being in a hurry, being impatient. What happens when you get tired of waiting? You ever been there? I don't even have to wait for your answer. You got flesh. The nature of your flesh is impatient. And to the flesh, wait is a four-letter word. (laughs) Your flesh wants to hear anything except, when does your flesh want everything? Now. Now. See how quick you answered that? You know the answer. (laughs) The flesh says, get it now, anyhow. But you know what faith says? If you wait, it'll be great. If you wait, it'll be great. Through faith and patience. And so what happens when people get tired of waiting? When people get tired of waiting, they miss God. 
What happens when people become impatient? I want to show you multiple examples of the dreaded MTF syndrome. The what? The dreaded MTF syndrome. What is that? Moving too fast. (laughs) Have you ever had some problems because you moved too fast? There are a number of people that are not with us any longer because they moved too fast. Cost them their physical life. A lot of people who've missed great opportunities, messed up things that God was doing because they moved too fast. I know a pastor friend of mine in another state, this is years ago, he had a young associate that had just come started working with him. Sharp young man, had a lot of talent and ability. But you know, people make a mistake thinking because they got a call and they got some grace that that's everything. There are a lot of people with a lot of grace that wind up on the junk heap doing nothing. There are a lot of people with a lot of talent that wind up completely fruitless, barren. Because it's not just a call and grace. You have to develop it. And you have to be trained. And you've got to prove yourself faithful in the small things to qualify and be promoted. Well, this young man was very talented and, and gifted. You could tell that. But he was impatient. And he had a good place. And the uh, Uh, And he stayed there for just a short amount of time and told the pastor he had to go and and do other things. And and the pastor tried to talk to him a little bit, but he could see his mind was made up. And and the young man made the mistake of telling him God told him to leave. Well, so then what are you going to say? No, God didn't tell you. And if this man was over him, he should have come and asked instead of telling. And it would have given an opening and an opportunity, but he didn't do any of that. And so he had left. And so this, I asked the, the pastor, I said, what about the young man that was with you? He said, oh, he left. I said, well, he, hadn't, he was only here, what, a year or so? He said, yeah. He said, he's gone. And when he said it, it boy, it didn't sound right to me. And uh, he looked at me. He said, you know, the Lord had dealt with me to buy him a house. I was getting ready to do it. <laughs> and I know the man, he would have. Getting ready to buy him a house. He said, but he never knew about it. He left. He didn't know what he missed. So said, why didn't you tell him? Well, no, that'd be wrong. For him to stay because he thinks he's going to get something means he don't qualify. If you're not willing to sacrifice some things to do the work of the Lord, you don't qualify. But wonder how many other things impatience has robbed people of. If they'd have just stayed a little longer. If they'd have just been steady. But you and I, all of us know what it's like, don't we? Y'all are too quiet. Who in here knows what it's like to be impatient? Everybody. What happens when you get impatient? Go to 1 Samuel, 10th chapter, 10 and 3. Saul has been shown to be the select for the king, and Samuel is telling him, What's going to happen to him now that he's been acknowledged as the king? These supernatural things are going to happen to him. The Spirit of God's going to come. He's going to meet these people with these certain items. Verse 4, they'll salute you and you'll receive what they gave. Verse 5, they're going to prophesy and the Spirit of God's going to come on you and you're going to prophesy. And verse 8, he said, you'll go down before me, ahead of me to Gilgal and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice 
sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shall you what? What does tarry mean? What did he tell him to do? You wait on me until I come and then I'll tell you what to do. Well, skip to the 13th chapter. A number of things happened. And in the 13th chapter and the 8th verse, well, let's see, back up to the 6th verse. The Philistines had come down and uh, the men of Israel saw them and they were distressed. The soldiers began to desert and were hiding themselves in the places and rocks and pits. Verse 7, the ones that were left were trembling. Verse 8, so he waited to seven days, according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal. Now, friend, this is such a revelation. Things don't always work the way you thought they were going to work. I shouldn't say always. Most often, they don't turn out the way you had imagined or envisioned that they would. And there's a real danger when it doesn't happen the way you thought it would to get antsy, to get impatient, to change the plan, to do something different. And so when Samuel came not, the people were scattered from him. People were leaving. He feels the pressure. He feels the fear. Verse 9. And Saul said, bring the burnt offering to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Should have never happened. He's no priest. He's no prophet. I mean, there were strict instructions. I mean, you could fall dead for trying to do a priest ministry. This is, and see, the problem is, this is not just a little accident. This reveals tremendous pride and some things that were going to come up later on down the road. Problems in his heart that he presumed that he could do this and just ignore. What did the Lord tell him to do through the man of God? Wait. Wait till I get there. Did he do it? No. He decided, considering the circumstances, he was there, he was boots on the ground, and he had to make a call. He made a call. (laughs) He missed God big time. Didn't he? Verse 10. It came to pass as soon as he made the end of offering the burnt offering, Samuel walked up. As soon as he got through with it, Samuel walks up. Oh, friends, what should we learn from these things? When you feel the pressure, do it. Do it. You can't wait. Why are you sitting around? You can't just keep waiting forever. Do you got to do something. You got to do. Why is the pressure like that? Why was it like that here? Because Samuel was about to walk up. And if the enemy can't get him to rebel right now, he's going to miss his window. Can you see this? When you feel the pressure the most intensely is when you're the closest to getting your miracle if you won't quit, if you won't jump and do something stupid. And the enemy is giving it his last shot and pulling out all the stops trying to get you in the flesh, get you to do something rash and something dumb. As soon as he got through with making the offering, Samuel walked up. Saul went out to meet him and met him like everything was okay. And verse 11, Samuel said, what have you done? What should Saul have done right now? He should have hit his knees, shouldn't he? He should have said, I have missed God. But he didn't. 
Pride makes excuses. Humility makes adjustments. He said, I saw the people were scattered from me and you didn't come when you said you would. And the Philistines were gathering themselves and basically I had no choice. I had to do it. And if you read the rest of it, he told him, he said, well, verse 12. And he said, I forced myself. I made myself do it. Verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom upon Israel forever. But what's going to happen? Verse 14, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, somebody that will listen to him, do what he tells him to do. Instead of having a better idea. Somebody that will wait on him. He that believes. Shall not make haste. Because you've not kept that. Which the Lord commanded you. What happens when you get tired of waiting. That's when you do something dumb. And miss God. Go to Exodus 24. Exodus 24. Thank you Lord. We need to relax. Don't you think? We're going to be around forever. I mean, not down here on the earth, but we're going to be around forever. We're eternal beings. We should just breathe a sigh of relief, relax a little bit. Go ahead, try it out. Go. (sighs) What's the rush? We need to be more like our Father, who sees a thousand years like a day, don't we? So then, what's a few months? What's a year? What's five or ten? What's 20 years? What's a lifetime? No, it's not. It's a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. And if we can't believe God for a few years, there's not much to our faith. It's proven to be not genuine, not real faith. In Exodus, the 24th chapter and the 12th verse, God has delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage. He's done all kinds of miracles. And now he tells Moses, come up to me to the mount and be there. I'll give you the tables of stone, the law, the commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. And verse 13, Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. 14, and he said to the elders, what did he tell them? What did he tell them? (laughs) Wait here for us until we come to you again. So they should know they'll be back. Right? And what do we do till they come back? Not much. Wait. Not time to come up with a new plan, do anything else. What's it time to do? It's time to do what he told you to do. Wait till they get back. And he said, Aaron and her are with you. If you got something that comes up, let them, you know, go to them about it. But basically you wait for us till we come back. And uh, we'll tell you what to do. And so, naturally, what did they do? The rest of that chapter in 25, 26, all the way to 32. Go to the 32nd chapter, please. The Lord is showing Moses astounding things right out of heaven. He's showing them uh, about the priesthood and the offerings and the tabernacle and on and on and on. And by chapter 32, it's been a month and a half. Which is how long God time? I don't even know how to figure that. It's too small. <laughs> Have to be less than a minute. You know, it's just nothing. A month and a half. What is that God time? It's just nothing. And so 
Verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together against Aaron, and they said to him, get up and make us some gods. When they heard the voice of God out of the fire from the mount, you know the first thing he told them? You don't have any other gods before me. You don't make any idols, any likeness of anything. And so what's the first thing they want to do? After a month and a half, the first idea they have is get a new God and make some images. Why would that be? Now we hear that, we shake our head, they go, that's bizarre. How could that be true? They just heard the voice of the Almighty speaking out of the fire less than two months ago, specifically commanding them not to have any other God and make no images. And how is that the first thing they come up with? Because that's what the devil has been pushing them, pushing them, pushing for a month and a half. That's the thing the devil has been pushing them on, pushing them on. These thoughts kept coming up to them. You need some new gods. You need some new gods. You need some new gods and you need some images for your new gods. You need them. You need them. They'd get up thinking about it. They'd go to bed. Why? It's not just coming out of their mind. It's coming from the enemy to them, pushing them, pushing them. And after a month, you got to do something. Keep reading. They said, up, you know, make us some gods which will go before us. As for this Moses, that's disrespectful. The man God used to get you free from 430 years of slavery. This guy, we don't know what's happened to him. We don't know what's become of him. You know that Moses is strange anyway. And who knows, last time we saw him, he's up in a ball of fire on the mountain there. You know, it's cold up there too, and who knows. Man, he's probably, he's gone. That's been a month and a half. He's gone. We need a new plan, new leaders, new gods. Friend, identify this. Have you ever felt that antsiness of the flesh? That you got to do something. You got to do something. Have you ever felt it? I know you have. That this pushing, this pressure. You got to do something. You can't just wait around. You can't just sit. You certainly can. I said you certainly can. You can sit down like an old mule in the middle of the road. (laughs) You can say until I've heard something different from the Lord, I'm not moving a peg. No. He that believes shall not make haste. He won't get in a hurry. He won't come up with some new trumped up something. Keep reading. So uh, they broke off the earrings. They brought them. Verse 3. Verse 4. Aaron. He made a molten calf. And he said, here's your new God, Israel. This gold calf God. Who brought you up out of Egypt. Oh it made the Lord angry. Oh it made the Lord angry. Now think about it. God is up there giving handwritten laws. No other nation has ever experienced anything like this. He's revealing his things that have not been known from creation to men. And while he's doing it they can't wait a month and a half. For Moses to get back. And in verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, go get you down for your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. God's not even claiming them anymore. How many know this is serious business, man? He said, that's the bunch you brought out of Egypt. Woo. Verse 8, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. 
See, he had told them exactly not to do that less than two months ago. And they made a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed and said, these are your gods. And before the chapter was over, a plague had broke out among the people. What happens when you get tired of waiting? Bad things. Evil things. Can you see it, saints? Bad things. Evil things happen. Go with me to Habakkuk. We'll close with this. Habakkuk, the second chapter. James 5 had said, Be ye patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Is he coming? Yes. Will he come? Yes. Yeah. And the Bible uses that to help us understand other things. There are people, and the Bible said there would come scoffers in the last days. And they'll say, where is his coming? Oh, they said he was coming, you know, a thousand years ago. And he hadn't come. Yeah, but how long is that to the Lord? A day. Or two. Or two and a half days. They're just not sitting there thinking, well, if it ain't happened in 2,000 years, it's never going to happen. That's what you think. That's what you think. That's only a couple of days to the Lord. Did he say he was coming? What's going to happen? Are you going to keep expecting him to come in life when you draw your last breath? If he hadn't come already, you know he's coming. He's coming. How many are absolutely, completely convinced he's coming? He's coming. He's coming. Every eye is going to see him. Hallelujah. He's coming with clouds of glory. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise up. Is it going to happen? We don't have to look for some new plan. Some new goofy idea. That's going to happen. And we are not going to change. His word's not changing. His plan's not changing. So my believing's not changing. My expectation is not changing. Well, just we know how to do that concerning his coming. We got to learn to do the same thing with every other word of God, expecting our healing, expecting our bills to be paid, expecting the answer. You got to do it the same way. His word's just as true in every other area. Can you say amen? Habakkuk, the second chapter. Did you find it? And I'm reading the Amplified Translation. Habakkuk 2 and 2. This is one of the verses we use on our vision Sunday day. The Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision. Engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And it hastens to the end, to the fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. How many know nobody ever trusted in him and was disappointed? And if he told you something, it is impossible for him to lie. But not everything happens by next weekend or even next year. Though it tarry, though time goes on, what do you do? Wait for it. Not just wait passively to see if anything might. No, wait expectantly. Enduring in confident expectation. Wait earnestly for it because it will surely come. And when it does, you'll find out it was not late. (laughs) 
Phyllis and I have seen that over and over again. Things that we thought would happen real quick, and then it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen for years. And then it did happen. And when it did, we thought, we only thought we were ready for it to happen five years ago. So glad it didn't happen five years ago, because when it did happen, we thought, whoa, buddy, we are just now barely ready for it, huh? And so many things are that way. You think you're ready. You think, well, why hadn't it already happened? A lot of times it's the mercy of God it hadn't already happened because you're not ready. But when it does come to pass, it won't be behind. It won't be behind. It won't be late. How many think you can trust him with your life, with your future, with your vision, your kids, your money, your ministry? Can you trust him? We're not going to be antsy, impatient, doubters, and quitters. We are believers. And through faith and patience, we will overcome and we will inherit all the blessings, all the promises. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and play for us. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.